Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor Kira. Marler, we have a fun one today for Debates Down South. Peyton Manning, 1997, Heisman Trophy. Marler's flashing back to his childhood. Charles Woodson, of course. Uh, as many Tennessee fans would say, stole the award from Peyton Manning. Today, we are going to go down that road. And this might be the most hotly contested, like, what's what's the right way to say this? Auburn should have won the 1997 Heisman Trophy. If you want to get under a Tennessee fan's skin, just tell them Charles Woodson should have won the Heisman Trophy. Yes, And nothing true. will get their blood boiling quite like saying those exact words. So today, what we're going to try and do so we're going to try and look back on the debate that that unfolded, that really took shape in the last last sort of month and a half of the season, and then kind of try and come to some sort of a conclusion. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, this will be the first debate in which we disagree. Well, I thought we disagreed on another one. We disagree on almost everything in the world, and then these debates. What have we disagreed reason, on yet? I Nothing. know. That's a good point. Um, well, you like peeps, which is just, I can't believe that you would even no, say that. Whoa, 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 now, no, whoa, 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 no, 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 I don't. You misread that. People that like peeps. I tweeted yesterday, anybody I'm that likes. I'm, I'm just kidding. You're getting me yeah. fired up just talking about it. Goodness, <laughs> I hate peeps. You sound like a Tennessee fan right now about Peyton. Yes. Peeps should have won the Heisman Trophy in 1997. Um, yeah, I, that, I can't believe that's still a thing. Also, let's just say, I hope everyone had a very good Easter. I hope everyone's safe. There were some terrible storms. Yes. Swept through the southeast. Uh, I hope all of you and, and you and your loved ones all had a very safe Easter weekend. That's so weird, man. Like, I, I've always said, like, I don't remember ever a Easter where it rained, like just even rained. Hmm. And then yesterday was just terrible weather. So hopefully all of y'all are safe. You're doing well. I made a video last night on the Facebook group wearing bunny ears, and it was not received very well. So I'll probably delete that later. It's very serious matters that we're dealing yeah. with here. How dare you put on bunny ears? I mean, I shouldn't have. I'll be honest with you. So anyway, um, let's get started. This is going to be a fun one. Before we dig into all of these things, can you first, real quick, tell us about our friends at Bet Online? Guys, I've said it every single episode, and I don't know if you guys have picked up on it yet or not. Go over to betonline.ag. One, they've, they've updated their most recent odds for SEC football, whether it's like the uh, what do you call it, season win totals, Mm -hmm. or Heisman odds, um, or odds to win the SEC. So that alone makes me feel a little bit better in these uncertain times about whether or not we're going to get college football back. But at the very least, go over there, set up an account with betonline.ag today, play some poker, gamble on some table tennis. Yesterday you could gamble on horse. They played some some horse on ESPN. Uh, That was something. So there's a lot of stuff to uh, pass the time since we are still in this quarantine it doesn't have to be a boring team, okay? That's all I'll say. Mm. And so set up an account to play some poker. Best advice I can give you. Uh, second best advice I can give you is do not play me because I won again. Won another tournament. Wow. So here we go. Uh, but yeah, go over to betonline.ag today. Uh, they are our friends there. I mean, besides Allie and Queso and these pods, it's the only thing that's getting me through. Jeez. You, you are go. not lacking puns. Quarantine, the quarantine has not prevented you from being able to still have that arsenal, that, that part of your game in your arsenal. Yeah, I was on fire yesterday, I'll be honest. I'll just, I'll be honest. Let's see if you're going to be on fire today, because this is something that you know, as somebody who experienced this and had a, such a strong reaction to it at the time, why, and why this was a debate and why it is still a debate is not even a question, really. 
Right. This, this debate in itself played out in such a unique fashion because obviously Charles Woodson, first defensive player, and currently still the first, the only defensive player to ever win the Heisman Trophy. Right. The, the the way that we we valued this is so much different than a typical Heisman where we're often just looking at quarterbacks. And it's a very kind of black and white thing where we're looking at quarterbacks numbers, we're comparing them, we look at you know quality of opponents that they face, you know, team success, all that different all those different things. But this was such a subjective argument in terms yeah. of preference and in terms of what is what is considered more valuable, what do we want to reward what type of season do we feel was more impactful and Woodson and and Manning are part of this star-studded Heisman group that is not even close in my opinion the most star-studded Heisman ceremony of all time with Randy Moss and Ryan Leaf as well 29 combined Pro Bowls 29 I I mean so I've said this several times the 2014 Heisman I think had the most impressive group of any Heisman class ever. And I meant that strictly from what their their stats would say. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like yeah. they cuz like the, the, the numbers each of them put up was were crazy, especially for that position. You had a receiver, you had a running back and you had a quarterback. All of them put up just like ridiculous numbers that hadn't I really hadn't seen up until that point. So this this class though, you look at it just just from the resume, man. Just from the resume, you have four finalists, three of them end up in the Hall of Fame. All four are first round draft picks. That that is nuts. Like that, we that assume that we assume that Woodson and, and Manning are going to be in the Hall of Fame when they're eligible in 2021. They're eligible Ooh. the same exact year because they both retired in 2015. That's another crazy thing, is yeah. that the careers have been so synonymous. Both went into the draft in 1998, became top four picks. Of course, both had Hall of Fame careers. You'd put them on All Decade teams, all those things, and then they both retired in 2015. And they have, you know, Woodson and Manning have maintained a, a relationship over the years as well, which yeah. is kind of the cool thing. And they're the no doubter they're going to get in in 2021 when they are first eligible. So it's interesting, right. too, that those parallels have existed beyond just this ceremony. Right. And so, and, and what Connor briefly mentioned earlier, and I'm not, this one doesn't, this one doesn't bother me because I feel like, especially since it's not a current debate, it's more accepted from some in the audience that, I can just be very honest with you guys that when this happened, I've told this story several times on the pod. I So I grew up, I hated Peyton Manning. I hated Tennessee. That was the team I hated the most. Like, I just, they, they destroyed Alabama for two of the three years he started. Peyton stood up in the end zone in uh, Legion Field 97, like just leading the band in Rocky Top. I mean, he was, they, he was just so good. I hated it. I hated Tennessee. I hated Peyton Manning. So when Charles Woodson won the Heisman, I didn't necessarily at the age of 11 feel like he should have, but I do remember sprinting through my house, screaming and hollering in celebration because I was so excited he didn't. Now, as a grown adult, I, I probably wouldn't have that same reaction nowadays. But I, I do remember being know. I don't know. <laughs> I do remember being very invested into this Heisman race because of that. And it was it, it like you put it best. Like there it was very much which side are you on? And if you were in the camp of Manning, you were firmly in that camp. If you were in the camp of Woodson, you were firmly in that camp. So, I'd be curious to know how many people have changed their stance in the last 23 years. Because I don't think it's very many. I think it's probably zero. If you you had your mind made up then, nothing that you have seen has has allowed you to, to change that opinion necessarily. And that's that's why we still have this this debate. 
there was one of the closer votes too that we've had in the last 30 years the Heisman only separated by 272 points um, Manning of course was I don't want to say that Ryan Leaf stole votes from him he but did. I think that there were there's there's a fair case to be made that if you were trying to figure out who the best quarterback in the country was that at least some people were pointing to Ryan Leaf and that hurt Peyton ultimately get to try and get to you know winning the Heisman and finished in the top eight three years three years that we're yeah talking about. It, and so because because I, I put this up on Twitter earlier and I was like should Peyton Manning have won the Heisman in 1997 and I, I admittedly hadn't started like super looking into the years before because the McFadden thing we put that up was like hey should he have won a Heisman they're like two of them he should have won two and like we said I agree he should have won 2006 not 2007 I was worried that was going to be the same argument that was made from Tennessee fans here from Peyton, I didn't realize how just we'll pedestrian see. his numbers were in the years before. Because we knew he was great, he had all the tools, but his numbers weren't that great until 97 when he really took off. And in 97, he has this year where he has 36 touchdown passes, 11 interceptions, and he's doing so for a Tennessee team that is competing for a national championship, had one loss. Charles Woodson doing this for a Michigan team that was undefeated going into the Heisman ceremony and was going to be playing for a national championship. Tennessee had the outside chance at a national championship, needed both Michigan and Nebraska to lose, which is okay, so, so weird to think about. So this is what confuses me, and you might have to explain this. We probably should have done this off air so I don't sound stupid. But when I was looking at the 97 season and going over, because it's a split national championship, it's, it's the last one before the BCS era. It's one of the Correct. reasons they kind of wanted to do the BCS the following year because they were tired Which of Which Tennessee won, ironically enough. Exactly. Because yeah. um, T. Martin, I think everyone agrees, is a much better quarterback than Peyton Manning <laughs> ever was. So, but th they were saying that for whatever reason, because the bowl tie-in with the Orange Bowl, they were contractually obligated to give the split national title to the winner of the Tennessee-Nebraska game. Which, I, maybe I'm not understanding that or because I don't remember that game being something like, if Tennessee wins, they have they have a chance to split or win the national title. I don't remember they that still being an outside, time. I still remember I, I remember them having an outside chance still. But it okay. was it was going to take I think Michigan also needed to lose though. Because Michigan was playing. I think in the it Rose was just Bowl. they had to win that game. If it's contractually obligated. But then yeah, but that's that's what doesn't make sense because Michigan won. No. Michigan beat Washington. Well, I mean State. it's on the internet, Connor, and people don't <laughs> lie on the internet. This is true. Um, Feinbaum had a great quote in the College Football 150 special that aired on ESPN this past year, where he said, In 1997, the greatest college football player did not win the Heisman. How the Heisman Trophy could exist the next year without having given it to Peyton Manning, I will never know. And that right there is how so many Tennessee fans feel to this day. And that, that's a discussion that I'm sure... Has been, every time that you know we we talk about the Heisman, there's there's a, a strong group of Tennessee fans that say I don't take that seriously because Peyton Manning could not win it, and the rest is history. All right. Yeah. <laughs> what people said at the time, Chris Lowe of ESPN, who I always make the joke like Chris Lowe is really really good at his job, but I make the joke all the time. Has he given us any sort of update as to how long he thinks Saban can coach? Uh, have we gotten oh that story God. in the last five minutes? Because that, Every that comes weeks. out like once a month. But Chris Lowe with Plus, this. He said he's going to be doing this for as long as he can. He's having a blast right now. I can't stress this enough. Chris Lowe dominates his job. He is yes. really, really good. He wrote this incredible 20-year anniversary oral history of this Heisman ceremony. If you have not read it, go do so. It is awesome. He talked to everybody for this. I mean... Peyton and Randy Moss and Charles Woodson and like, you know, Phil Fulmer, Spurrier, everybody imaginable. He talked to Saban for this too. I mean, he talked to everybody in between, 
you know, hey, how long you, you think you're right. a coach? You know, they're able to squeeze in and Saban's comment like, here there. Right now, I'm playing tiddly winks with Tom Rinaldi, so please leave me alone. <laughs> so th- that story pointed me in the direction of a lot of these quotes um, that I'm that I'll that I'll cite here, and if I don't necessarily cite where they came from, most likely they came from this story. So Peyton, as we know, was the prohibitive Heisman favorite going into this season where he has the big announcement that he's coming back and 10 months essentially, Peyton hears about he's going to win the Heisman. He's going to win the Heisman. And you know usually how that turns out for preseason Heisman contenders. We talk about it all the time. They get picked apart. And the Florida game was Peyton's chance to get picked apart. Spurrier actually made a joke. Yeah, every year in the, the whole like Peyton can't beat Florida thing was was on everybody's mind. Spurrier made made the joke um, when Peyton announced he was returning. He said he probably just wanted to be the first SEC quarterback to ever go to three straight Citrus Bowls, which not sure many people can get away with saying that about a college athlete other than the old ball coach. Uh, he's He's got some – he hasn't really backed off a lot of those stances still, which is amazing to me. Head ball coach, I should say. He's now the old ball coach, but then he was still considered the right. HBC. Um, so, uh, of course, we know what happens in that game, that early, early game where a couple of top four teams and Peyton struggled. We can say that, yes, he put up 353 passing yards, three touchdowns, but had the pick six that he threw to Tony George, and he was getting harassed all day. Florida's oh, defense yeah. swarmed him. I mean, it seemed like every time he dropped back, he was thrown off his back foot. It was just a really, really tough day to play the quarterback position. That's not necessarily making a full excuse, but he was—he looked like he was in over his head. And so, what that game essentially did was, you know, kind of make people a little bit at least say, "Hey, this might not be the lock that we thought it was," because Peyton still can't get over this hurdle. Tony right. George had a great quote in the Chris Lowe story where he said, like, he kind of felt bittersweet about having that pick six in that game because he realized that it played a part in Peyton, as he said, getting screwed. Yeah, and so, again, still not going to say he got screwed, but this was this is one of those things that I brought up that was so odd to watch so many times with these Tennessee teams and these Florida teams because Tennessee-Florida, we, we talked about this a lot in the 2001 um, Adjustment Moore game, the Tennessee-Florida game, because in the 90s, this was the game three weeks in. Every single season, it was the first CBS game of the year, and you would see Peyton versus whatever, I mean, usually Werfel or, or whatever other great quarterback that, that Spurrier had in that offense. And what people forget about those Florida teams, too, is those defense were almost as dominant as the offenses. They were very, very talented. So it wasn't like he was going up against soft defenses. But what, what ends up happening is that game early shapes the narrative for a lot of things that happen the rest of the season. And it, you see it especially in this race. The, the teams he closed against were nowhere near what Woodson exactly. closed against. And, and people were kind of judging him solely based off that game because at the time, those were the two big teams in the SEC. Alabama wasn't a good football team in 97 or 95, really. Georgia wasn't consistent enough to be one of those great rivals because everyone points out he was 6-1 and one against those, those two rivals. Yep. Those two teams, besides 96, that Bama team that won 10 games, those two teams were never consistent enough to, to really challenge Tennessee, especially with, with Manning. But... Every single year, he loses to Florida and then does so also by an average of 14 points, over over 14 points in each of those three games. I think we're in agreement. Correct me if I'm wrong. If Tennessee beats Florida, Peyton wins the Heisman. It's not even close. Yes. Without a doubt, right? Right. 
Right. So, but not only what, does he lose to him, he loses to him by 13. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the other point. I think it's a different conversation if they if they lose like 48 to 45, and right. it's okay. Clearly, this isn't Peyton's fault. And there are, there are still people who would say you blame the offensive line, you blame the defense for the way that that game played out. I get all of that, but yes, the the number that you just brought up that was on the minds of some people. So. I thought the the two key turning points of the Heisman, that being one of them, the other one being this belief that the media built the case for Woodson after what he did against Michigan State. Nick Saban coached Michigan State. People forget. Top 15, Michigan State as well. Spurrier made the case for this as well, or like said that the media started building the case for Woodson um, after this game. Tennessee, former Tennessee teammates said the same thing too. The, the thing that he did in this game, though, that would have gone so viral, is still goes viral basically on an annual basis, at least it does in Big Ten circles. The interception that he makes in this game is as good of an interception Stupid. as I've seen any human being make on any level of football, and you can't convince me otherwise. I completely agree with that. And, and real quick, again, the thing that's so glaring is not just the losses against Florida, but he had two interceptions. In that game as well, and, and they were bad. I went back and, and right. watched both of them. They they were they were bad, and, and bad because you know Peyton was was facing a lot of pressure as well. But right. ill-advised throws that even he himself would be like, I can't make that play. Right, and I don't have the other ones in front of me, but I know that he threw multiple interceptions in. I think he threw three in the '95 game. I don't remember the '96 game, which was the closest of the three that he that he started against UF. But no, you're 100 right. That game against Michigan State, and, and keep in mind, this is also a time where we're gonna have like whatever Big Ten game or whatever Big Ten team was the Big Ten leader, or, like, they were usually a top-five team, if not the number-one team in the country, like Michigan, Ohio State, whatever. And usually it was Michigan at this point. They seemed like they were always nationally televised, either 1230 or 3.30, and it was, like, more people were watching those games than they were not watching Tennessee-Florida necessarily, but definitely Tennessee-Alabama or Tennessee-Georgia or Florida Ole Miss or whatever, like, because the SEC wasn't that dominant this time, right? Like, at least it wasn't considered, even though they had won titles. Um, but they weren't considered like the nationally dominant uh, conference that they are today. So that Michigan Michigan State game, you're right. You have a top 15 matchup. I I'm pretty confident that was the SB play of the year. That that year for oh, all had sports. To be. Had it was to be. one of the most incredible interceptions. Like where I think he's like turning against his body, goes up with one hand, and then gets a foot down inbounds. And it was everything he also did was in critical times. It seemed like. Yes, that's that's the key thing with Woodson that that you need to remember in in that game. He has two interceptions in that game. Huge game, you know, top fifteen rivalry game, all those things. Yeah, the, on the road. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it is. He he built this name for himself, especially down the stretch of the season, as being this clutch guy. And one of the things that I wanna that I wanna remember with this is that the what they did beforehand before this season. It, it played a part in people's mind, but maybe it shouldn't have because Woodson came into this this season as kind of, we talked about this with Minka Fitzpatrick, of like the perfect Alabama career that he had in terms of he's a, he's a freshman All-American, he becomes an All-SEC, All-America type guy as a sophomore, and then as a junior, you know, he's winning pretty much every award that a defensive back can win. Pretty much, and that's that's essentially what Charles Woodson was doing. So he had a lot of people who knew about him, obviously coming into this junior season. It wasn't like he was totally coming out of nowhere, but at the same time, it was almost like he's talked about as as a Heisman candidate, as a little bit of like, a, oh, this is kind of a fun conversation. This game happens, and Lloyd Carr said, if you weren't taking him seriously as a Heisman candidate after this game, you really were, and it sort of changed that perception. 
Well, and also we, it's hard to, to fathom this now, but you look at like those, those high, the 10 years prior to this Heisman, only five quarterbacks had won. Gosh, I mean, t- Tim Brown, Tim Brown won a Heisman trophy. Desmond and Howard. And a Desmond Howard. Too. And, so, and Desmond, Desmond Howard had way more offensive production. Like he had almost a thousand yards receiving that year. Um, so I, I kind of get that, but you look at this, like a lot of running backs won, and then you have the quarterbacks and this, I thought this would kind of be in favor of, of Manning, but like the quarterback numbers weren't like, they were either great and we'd never seen anything like it, like the Ty Detmer thing and Andre Ware, they throw over 40 touchdown passes and almost 5,000 yards, or they were like, Hey, this is the best quarterback on the best team in the country. That's like, you know, like the Gino Toretta thing or like exactly. Char- Charlie Ward had a great, I didn't realize how dominant his season was with 27 touchdowns and only four picks. Yep. But only five players, or only five quarterbacks had won the Heisman in the previous years. And, you know, a lot of them, I feel like, too, I remember, like, that, Eddie George won the Heisman. He was a Big Ten player. The year before that was 94. Rashawn Salam, running back from Colorado, he, he got, like, burst on the scene against that, in that game against Michigan when they won on the Hail Mary play. So national exposure played a lot into it. But also, we weren't set in these ways that we are now at the Heisman where it's like, all right, it's got to be the best player on the best team or the quarterback that puts up the best numbers. Or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Because, like, and I'm not trying to make a, a case that's like anti what we said against McCaffrey. Because at the time, this was accepted so much more than it is today. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting. I kind of go back and forth on that in terms of what we were willing to accept for the Heisman winner then, and what we accept now. Whereas now, a defensive player, I, I don't know if in my lifetime we're going to see another defensive player win the Heisman. I, I really, really no. don't. And and you know, it's it's amazing. We talked about this before with the other with the other debates down south that we've done with the fact that a freshman and sophomore couldn't win the Heisman until until 2007. Crazy. And now that's almost the preferred thing. And you kind of have to be that younger player unless you have a Baker Mayfield type senior season, something like that. The thing that Charles Woodson was obviously working against and what people were talking about at the time, can we really vote a defensive player for the Heisman? Right. The previous defensive players in the top four of the Heisman voting in the previous 30 years, there are, only, there are only five of them. Only five. Warren Sapp wasn't even in the top four. He finished sixth, I think, in 1994. 94, yeah. But you only had one guy before that in the previous 30 years who was just a defensive player who finished in the top two of the Heisman voting. That was Hugh Green at Pitt, a defensive lineman. And he shouldn't have even finished second because Herschel should have finished first or second. So he didn't even deserve that spot. So after Woodson won it, too, you had... Nadam Kinsu finished fourth in the Heisman voting in 2009. A lot of don't people even, should I don't even want to hear that. about 2012. 2012, Manti Teo finished second. And then uh, 2019, Chase Young finishes fourth. So think about that. In the last 50 years, that's half a century, only three defensive players we've seen finishing in the top two of the voting, and Charles Woodson, of course, being one of them. And two of them, because um, Green, you know, as I mentioned, Hugh Green and then Manti Teo, Probably shouldn't have been there. Um, no. Well, so really, <laughs> Woodson is the only one who should have finished in the top two uh, so in it, terms of defensive players. T- to be fair, they had. Um, hold on, I'm sorry that I'm typing, but I'm looking this up. So to be fair, he also was he was primarily a defensive player, but he also returned kicks. So that's what we're we'll going to get to. It. Yeah. yeah, and he also played receiver, and like I think he averaged almost 20 yards of reception or something like that. Like it wasn't like he would. I'm, I'm trying to find the percentage of snaps he played in 1997 
because I felt like it wasn't just a guy who was putting up like he was he was on the field it seemed like a lot like he he was one of these guys that were and especially if it's at a place like Michigan mm-hmm. you you it becomes this a much bigger story in the very same way that you said it you said it best who who was the I think I think in 2012 Manti Teo had this the most votes for a defensive player of all time or he finished be, yeah. the closest but like that's a linebacker that we all know now was not as great as we thought he was that season. And that team was not anywhere close to being as great as we thought they were that season. But he played at Notre Dame, and he played linebacker, and he had a bunch of tackles. Woodson did a lot of things in like for this team, and they went on this run where they didn't start number one, like the Troy Smith thing in 2006. Right. But they kind of go on this run, and Michigan is beating all these ranked teams, and he's impacting the game each and every single week. So, and not to say that Manning's not, the season Manning put up, I'll tell you what, the first thing I looked up was, okay, he had 11 interceptions. Because I made this argument the other day about why Deshaun Watson didn't win the Heisman in 2016, because somebody said that was the biggest travesty ever. And I was like, he had, Deshaun Watson, his last two seasons, had 31 interceptions. He had, he had or 30. He had 13 his uh, sophomore season and 17 his junior season. Right. That would have been tied or more than any other Heisman winner in the last, I think, 30 years or 27 years. There's only one other play, and that was Winston who threw 13. So that would have been tied or, or been the most of all time from a, a quarterback that won the Heisman. Manning, he threw 11. I was like, well, maybe it's because he had double-digit picks. No, Werfel had – he had more the season before when he won it. The interceptions was not always a, a big deterrent. It, it, we did not look at it then the same way that we look at it now, which Please is look weird at Ty to Detmer. <laughs> Please bring up Ty Detmer. Just say it. <laughs> I'm not going to bring up Ty, Ty Detmer. Um, Ty Detmer, had, I'm going to do it. 1990, he had 41 touchdowns and 5,000 yards passing. He had 28 interceptions. He won the Heisman Trophy with 28 interceptions. I'm telling you to search Terry Bradshaw's numbers, too, and you'll get even more mad. You I guarantee really you will. Terry Bradshaw did not throw for 41 touchdowns in probably any two seasons combined. I, I, you're probably right. Terry, Terry Bradshaw's numbers were, were historically awful. We have changed our what we value from the quarterback position from a number standpoint for sure. And I'm almost reluctant to bring up the numbers with somebody like Peyton just because you need to watch Peyton to truly appreciate him yeah. from the footwork. The mechanics are just second to none. And I yep. always get reminded of that. I, I, I probably watch I, – I, I think I've watched Peyton Manning more than any other quarterback in my entire life. I yeah. kid you not. I grew up a Chicago Bears fan, so like it wasn't like we were watching. Uh, you know, I didn't have like a Brett Favre or something like that that I was watching on a weekly basis. And Peyton was always on that CBS game. My wife is from Indianapolis, grew up a Colts fan, all those different things. Like, I, I have seen so much of Peyton Manning to know, and even looking back on his, you know, all that stuff at Tennessee, it, it feels almost a little bit wrong to bring up the stats sometimes. And at the same time, I think you could also make that argument with Woodson, but I will bring up the stats because they fuel the argument of, well, he's not just a defensive player. 44 tackles, seven interceptions, four tackles for loss, one sack. Oh, by the way, 11 catches, 231 yards, two receiving touchdowns. Also had three rushes for 15 yards, but he had that 33-yard touchdown run against Minnesota. And he returned a punt for a touchdown against Ohio State. In case that wasn't enough, he completed a 28-yard pass at Wisconsin. He filled okay, up to be the fair, Peyton caught a, he caught a reception in 97 for 10 yards. Well, there you go. He had also had three rushing touchdowns. Who threw that pass to Peyton? Was it Peerless Price? Probably. Marcus Nash? Know. Uh, all these names haunt my dreams. <laughs> I thought this was interesting. Um, legendary Keith Jackson. Yes. He said, he said um, in the Chris Lowe story, he said, um, 
that Woodson was the most impactful player in college football, and that's why I voted for him. Now, he said that because, in part because he saw what he did against Ohio State, where he, Woodson has this game against Ohio State where Michigan's national title hopes are hanging in the balance. Michigan hasn't been to a national championship in 49 years. He or hasn't won a national championship in 49 years. And against Ohio State, with everything on the line, he returns a punt for a touchdown. He has an interception. He has a 37-yard catch. I mean, it was the perfect game that you could possibly play as a defensive player, as a cornerback in this game. What I think is interesting about Keith Jackson is he also called the SEC championship, where Manning was really good against Mm -hmm. Auburn. And they came back and they won that game. And he's still Keith Jackson, who everybody respects and understands, and nobody's going to accuse and Keith Southern. Jackson of has. Yes, is Southern. Nobody's going to accuse him of having this bias. He still came out and said, you know what? Charles Woodson was the most impactful player in college football, and that's why I voted for him. Yeah, wait, so he said he voted for him before the that game? Well, no, he, he said this in the Chris Lowe story after oh, okay, the okay. fact. But he didn't. He didn't necessarily have his his ballot in his, like set or anything. He didn't say anything like that. But right. he said he was the most impactful player. And this is somebody who sees the best of the best. And I I tend to you know think that that matters at least a little bit. So so and let's let's say like the Ohio State game. Like this this is one reason why this does feel a lot like the Troy Smith season and why it matters because I do remember this game being a like. You know where you are at when you watch the game, just like the Michigan State game. These are nationally televised games on ABC. And, you know, like I've told you a thousand times, and and maybe part of it's because Bama was terrible that year, but I watched these games, like Charles Woods, I watched the players that season more than I watched the SEC. That makes sense. Like I, I wanted to see Charles Woodson. Such I did a star-studded year, too. I mean, it, that's that's what the, made I mean, the it Randy so Moss special. thing we have to get into at a little bit like down the like the lane or down the line. But like what people forget about the Ohio State thing. The hay was kind of in the barn, it seemed like, for Peyton. Not just, like, the narrative that people were trying to, like, take the Heisman away from. Keep in mind, the year before, he wasn't that overly impressive. He had 20 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, okay? Like, he finished eighth. Like, we did have this idea that he was he was the front runner and he was going to win it because, you know, it, it seemed like at the time giving a career award to somebody wasn't that far-fetched. And he was also one of the best players, if not the best player in the country. The thing that, that kind of worked against him is it wasn't just Ohio State. It wasn't just Ohio State at all. The the stretch and the run that Michigan went on from like the last game in October through the end of November was one of the most impressive stretches for a football team to go on like in, in terms of opponents faced on the road, ranked teams, all that kind of stuff to get into a national championship. Then that we I've I've seen and I don't know how long like the resume they put together is incredible. And it seemed like with Peyton, all he had to do was beat Florida, just beat Florida, and he couldn't do it. That was definitely working against him, and it it, it opened this up to uh, some people. And you know, Spurrier was quoted as saying this too: that there was this um, this Midwest. We're gonna we're gonna make this Woodson thing happen, and we're gonna open people's minds up to it. The interesting thing, though, is that five of the six regions we talked about this with Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey as well in 2015. Five of the six regions, Woodson won. He won the voting. The only region that he didn't win in was the South. Now, you had people that people like Randy Moss, who Randy Moss at the time thought it was a lock. He thought Peyton Manning won it. He, was, he even said that, you know, we're, we're all just kind of here to, to look the part. He said that to, to the other guys. He said it to um, Woodson and Ryan Leaf. 
but that he thought that Woodson was going to win it. And if you actually watch, go back and rewatch the ceremony, Tennessee fans, I'm not telling you to do that. Do not rewatch the ceremony if it's going to be a detriment to your health. Please don't do it. But if you go back and rewatch the ceremony, it's it's Randy Moss who's giving him Woodson an elbow, like, hey man, yeah, now it's kind of your time. You get to go up on stage now and make a speech. I know you're kind of in shock right now, but everyone this was. Is, yeah, and, and there was even um, they had they had a watch party. Uh, Trey Teague, the former Tennessee Tennessee offensive lineman, mm-hmm. said they had a watch party, and they just had a watch party as like a formality. They thought it was they thought it was in the bag. They thought it was done, and they were just sitting there in stunned silence. And then people apparently threw some stuff at the TV, and yeah, they weren't I mean, happy. I, I think that I remember being stunned too, and, and he, part of it is the fact that you have this senior quarterback where we we get we get kind of. Uh, like the Tebow factor, if we didn't have a Tim Tebow, we would still be talking about Peyton Manning the way people talk about Tim Tebow. I know they didn't, mm. he didn't win the championship, all that kind of stuff, and I, and I know we're kind of being harsh on him about the the tennis or the the Florida losses in the, in the regular season. By the way, the three years he started, because I think he started for a total of like three and a half years. His freshman year, I'm not counting those, yep. but 95 to 90, 97. Played in eight um, games, I think, his freshman year. I think his first ever start was against Bama, and like it was like a very close game. But the 95 through 97 season. They lost four regular season games, three of them to Florida that were all ranked inside the top five, probably number one, to be honest, and then also lost like a, just a random game to Memphis. But So he put together an incredibly impressive resume throughout his career, and then also, you know, like we knew he was good enough. The stats weren't great, his, like I said, his junior year, but he had done enough to where we all knew Peyton Manning, this very good-looking white kid from the South, this quarterback going to be the number one draft pick, well-spoken. Every other year, it seemed like that would – I'm not saying race put a factor, by the way. I'm just saying, like, that this is a very common thing, like, in the Heisman. But, like, this, like, the numbers he'd put up, it did seem like it was like, oh, yeah, he's going to win it for sure until they made the announcement. But when you really look at the numbers, what, what Woodson was doing was arguably more impressive, especially late in the season. The governor of Tennessee afterwards said that the award had been diminished, been diminished. <laughs> Tennessee fans, as we know, call it the Heistman. Um, they just don't feel like the award matters, as I was saying before. The interesting thing, too, Peyton did this interview uh, with ESPN after, like, probably probably a few days after. I don't know how long after it was. It was on the, the next college game day after the Heisman ceremony. And um, he said that he was relieved that it was over. He said after 10 months of this. And it just kind of makes you wonder, you know, Peyton wasn't an individual award type of guy. He's never been that type of person. He's never advocated for it. Charles Woodson wanted wanted the award. He actually would have done the Heisman pose after he had the punt return against Ohio State, but his teammates mobbed him too quickly. He was telling the camera to focus. All I wanted you to do is focus on me doing the Heisman pose, and then his teammates just jumped on him, and he couldn't get to do that. But Charles Woodson was a little bit more after this, and I think Michigan recognized the opportunity. Once that Michigan State game happened, if you look at the, the usage and all that stuff in terms of getting him involved in running plays, and they had the passing play set up, and we're going to create these opportunities where we really sell this belief that he is this all-around, complete, game-changing football player that we've never really – well, we haven't seen in a very, very long time. I think that they were willing to play into that a little bit more, and that's what sort of helped build, build Woodson's case as they continue to beat these quality opponents down the stretch. Okay, so, and let's get, in, let's get into that. And especially when you say the, the, the quality opponents thing, because I'm, I'm looking through here, and and let's start from, from Michigan. We can start at that. So we'll start at Michigan State. Before the Michigan State game, where they were ranked fifth, Michigan State was ranked 15th. The, the week prior to that, they were ranked sixth, and they played, I'm sorry, they were ranked fifth, and they played a, a top 15 team in Iowa. 
and won that game, right? So from the Michigan State game on, which is October 25th, there's five more games to close out the regular season because they don't play a conference championship like the SEC does. In those five games, okay, he had just, this is just his def- defensive st- uh, stats. He had an interception. He had two against Michigan State, including the, the, the freakish one. And then he had one against Wisconsin and one against Ohio State, okay? Um, and we don't have the luxury of now of like, I wish we had like a pro football focus that we could just break down like whatever, like the completion what percentage. Was? Yeah. Yeah, exa- I mean, that, that would be extremely helpful at this, at this case. But he's doing it against teams, he goes, Michigan State, they play a game against Minnesota, whose Minnesota was unranked. Then they play at Penn State, who was actually ranked ahead of them and ranked second in the country Kill when Michigan them. was ranked fourth. Beat him 34 to eight. Then they played at Wisconsin, who was ranked 23rd in the country, another top 25 team. Michigan's ranked number one now. Uh, beat him by double digits. Then they play Ohio State, who at the time was number four in the country and had a quarterback that was Joe Germain, who wasn't great, but he actually had he had a, a better QB, QB rating and I think a higher completion percentage than Peyton did. Not, he was nowhere near as good as Peyton, but they went up against a good quarterback and he put on a show. He put on an absolute show. And to close out the season with an interception against Wisconsin, against Ohio State, the two, like I said, he had against, uh, what do you call it, Michigan State, and you could say that they they used him more. He never had multiple receptions in a game except for the Wisconsin game. I mean, true. He returned more punts, uh, which I think is you know that was just one of the things he was good and dangerous at. But he never had more than one reception in a game uh, at the, during that stretch than against than the one against Wisconsin where he had three. And he also cut a touchdown pass for 37 yards against Penn State. So in every game that they were facing, you have. Five of their last six where they're facing ranked teams, and then two of those are against top five teams, he put on a show. In that stretch, the five just if you want to look at that stretch, five games against ranked opponents. Michigan allowed 13.8 points in those games. They only allowed three passing touchdowns during that stretch. And Woodson individually, four interceptions, five catches for 101 yards and a, and a receiving touchdown, had the punt return touchdown as well, and then had the 28-yard pass completion that he had yeah. against Wisconsin. In other words, yeah, he was really, really good during that stretch when it mattered most and they were facing quality opponents, whereas Tennessee, just by by the nature of the schedule, they, they went from having that Georgia game in early October all the way through the SEC championship, they did not play a ranked Power 5 opponent. Southern Miss was ranked at the time. That was the only team that was that was ranked during that stretch. So you essentially had one ranked opponent during those in, the, in between that two-month period, whereas Woodson, week after week, is facing all of these quality opponents and just getting more and more momentum and more and more belief on his side that this guy is doing something different that we have not seen in a long right. time. And you also have to understand, too, like, this offense that Michigan had, the defense was incredible. It was, it was, he was the best defensive player on. The, I think they might have been one of the best defense in the country. That offense was terrible. That offense had under 200 yards against Ohio State. You know the quarterback was. Yes, I do, and we're not going to talk about it, <laughs> Brian Greasy. I saw, so I pulled up like one of the the quotes from like that people had about this Heisman race, and I just skipped right through his. I didn't want to hear anything he had to say. Um, but I mean, so it, like you just look at it, like I, I know they blew out some of those teams too, but you know the the thing against Ohio State. That really is like such a deciding factor going into it. And I've brought this up. What, what hurt Peyton, I think, in this one versus where it's, it's like kind of been – it's good for Tennessee as a team because they always close out the season strong, right? Because that's, that schedule in the month of November is always really, really easy. Has, like, they, they play Vanderbilt. They play Kentucky to close the year every single year. And at the time, I think this, they had Arkansas here. Since that Florida loss, they played two ranked teams. They played Georgia at home, who was 15th at the time. And then they played Southern Miss, 
who was ranked 25th. And yep. I don't, I'm going to get on my conspiracy theory bandwagon here for a second. But just like the Darren McFadden thing, the national exposure, I think, is what really hurt Peyton more so People than knew else. Peyton, though. Pe- pe- people, people knew did, Peyton. But people weren't tuning in to watch all of Peyton's games. And in years past, with like some of those games, he wasn't putting up, he was putting up a lot of, of points and stuff like that, but he wasn't doing it against quality competition. Like the year before, they played, I want to say, like at least two or three more ranked teams than they did. Like 96, he had a top 10 matchup against Bama. They played a, a, a Georgia team that I think might have been ranked. They played the game against Florida. There's other teams that he was facing that were good. This year, they had the early game against UCLA on the Rose in the Rose Bowl. They played number one Florida, and they lose that game. After that, man, you're talking about during this same stretch, like so his last six games from November 1st on, Jefferson Pilot game against South Carolina. Who's watching that? They played a game on pay-per-view. Then they have two games on ESPN2. They actually got the CBS game against Vandy, but it was the 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock start. Mm, that was so a 17-10 had... game, too. Not that exciting. No, it was not. Um, and talking about 97? Against... Yeah. No, 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 saying, that, was, that was the score. I'm saying, no, it was not that exciting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So okay. you, can, you can look at their, those games, and at the same time, especially if this is the Heisman race, I'm not tuning in to watch on November 8th Tennessee play Southern Miss at, at 4 o'clock, okay? I'm watching the 3.30 start, which is Michigan-Penn State, a top-five matchup, on at the same yeah. exact time. So I think what, like, that November 22nd game we played Kentucky, that could have been a huge moment for him because they played Tim Couch, who had put up almost 40 touchdowns that season, was going to be a huge draft pick as well. And lo and behold, they're on at the same exact time as Michigan-Ohio State. So there, there was part of like the scheduling of their games, I do think, played into it a little bit. Yeah. And no one was tuning in to watch him throw for five touchdowns against, who was it, Southern Miss or Kentucky. He had five touchdowns, no interceptions that game. People aren't tuning in to watch that over the, the, Penn, or the Michigan-Ohio State game. When we, see, when we saw Peyton that season, we saw him against Florida, and he throws two picks. Then we see him the next game against Auburn. And this is not fair, necessarily, because he's playing against really good defenses and really good teams, but he throws for two more th- through for two more interceptions in that Auburn game. Yes, he did have four touchdowns, and he had the come-from-behind like, victory, but still, he didn't look like this world-beater that was carrying the team on his shoulders. It's a fair thing to bring up. It's a fair thing to bring up. The worst take that you can have about this debate, I have three. They are all related to Peyton. Tennessee won the national championship the following year, so Peyton couldn't have been that important. So stupid. Talked about that a little bit earlier. It's uh, like the, the Bill Simmons Ewing theory. Have you ever heard this before? No. So the Ewing theory is essentially a franchise player leaves the team, and then the team wins the championship or goes to a championship the following year. And it's like, why did that happen? That doesn't make any sense. And you're still looking back on it, you struggle to figure it out. Bryce Harper with the Nationals, that's a, that's a good example of that, where he leaves, goes to the Phillies, and then the Nationals win a World Series. Peyton had this happen to him where Tennessee was a surprising national championship winner in 1998, of course. What mm-hmm. it kind of fails to mention, though, and what, the reason I hate this take is that Tennessee was still a preseason top 10 team going into that year in 1998. And what fueled them and what you can go back and Dave Hooker did some great stories. We had him on the podcast discussing, I think it was, yeah, it was the 20 anniversary stuff with, uh, with Tennessee that season. And what doesn't get really discussed is, hey, they had all these people doubting them because Peyton Manning's gone. And you still had a lot of talent returning on that team. And if a top 10 team kind of just gets a little bit of that extra push, yeah, maybe that's yeah, all they need you know, to go out and win Clint Sterner just doesn't try to trip over his offensive lineman's foot and then brace himself with the football with a minute and a half to go, 
yes, things like that end up happening and, and for, the, for the betterment of Tennessee. It happens to the best of us. It really does. Sure. The other take I don't like, the Tennessee fans earmuff it. You're not going to like this one. Peyton deserved it as a Lifetime Achievement Award. Mm. We do this thing, and we've done it before. I, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of it. but and, and I talked about this with the Decade Heisman. We feel bad when a senior comes that close and we realize they're not going to win the Heisman Trophy. They are going to end their career, even though we think we're one of, they're one of the great players of all time, having not won a Heisman. This feels like an injustice. Peyton finishing in the top eight three times. Three times is not an easy pill to be able to swallow. We also have this thing where Tennessee fans are like, hey, we've never had a Heisman winner. And this was supposed to be our guy. This was this this lock in place. And it might not necessarily have mattered as much if he had put up record-setting numbers or not. What he it did. was hey, it was hey, look, in terms of you know nationally or SEC, you know, those 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 two things. But they they felt, look, the body work that he put together, he deserved to win this award based on that. So I don't like that take either. We have to be able to try and focus as much as possible on the specific year in the same way that we don't like looking, you know, after what happened in the NFL to sort of justify a Heisman vote. We can't necessarily just chalk it up to previous seasons because then we're never going to have a freshman or a sophomore win the award and it's right. just going to become about career stats and that can't be well, the yearly basis for this argument. Can I say something on that? For yeah. your last take? So, and I think there it, there's more layers to that, I think, for Tennessee fans. If we're being honest, and, and what I would take from it is, it's not just the fact that like he had put up to his career numbers. Like those Tennessee football teams, that '95 team could be one of the the top five teams to never SEC teams to never win a, a national championship. I mean, they they lost to one of the greatest teams in SEC history, the '95 Florida team. Did lose another game. I mean, think about the resume I just told you with what they did in '96, where yep. they, you know, they they lost to Memphis somehow, but they had beat multiple top ten teams and, and like I think five ranked teams throughout the season. This '97 season, I think what was so frustrating for Tennessee fans is they didn't get over that hump that was Florida and Spurrier and all that. They hadn't gotten over that hump, and it wasn't even that close except for the '96 game, where you you have everything in place to not not win a Heisman but win a national championship. And when the years end, except for in this season, with a Citrus Bowl win, it, there is part of it that's like, this is so frustrating because I know what I'm looking at. I know we have one of the best teams in the country, but we're not able to get over this one team. So, like, it's so like it, it's so unrewarding to have that much talent and then finish kind of unfairly because there's just, you know, you run into this buzzsaw that's Florida. You fast forward to 97 – they don't get by Florida. Florida somehow loses two games that year. I think they lose to Georgia with uh, Robert Edwards, and they also have the the loss to LSU in Death Valley uh, when they were ranked number one in the country. And so kind of like some of the shine and shimmer off that Florida team that we put on this pedestal is kind of taken away. And then they they so they not only don't have a, a, a division championship until his last year, they don't have a, a conference championship until his last year, and they never get a national championship with who's who's probably the best player in program history. It was like, just give us this one thing. We, we should get this yeah, one thing. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's where part of like the frustration or majority of the frustration came from as well. That's Yeah, that's understandable. I totally get that. Um, the other thing, and Tennessee fans, you could take off the earmuffs if you put them on, actually. Um, what happened in the bowl game confirmed the Heisman voting. As you know, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it when we use revisionist history to say, this player deserved the Heisman because they did this in the national championship or whatever. 
it, it's irrelevant for voting. I don't care that Peyton got blown out by Nebraska. That should not have any Everyone impact. Everyone got blown out by Nebraska. Seriously, come on. Everybody's doing that. Um, should not have any impact on on the Heisman voting. Just doesn't make any sense. I, I realize, yes, Michigan Michigan won. They won the Rose Bowl, beat Washington State, Ryan Leaf. Doesn't matter to me. That part is completely separate from the Heisman Trophy voting that takes place before all those things happen, and we can't use that to, to justify it. No, we can't. And to speak on to that, there's, I think there's also layers to that that make it frustrating. I said earlier, the, the game he had against Kentucky where he has 523 yards passing, I think, that, I think he set a record at that point for, I know for Tennessee, it might have been for the SEC as well, where they put up like 59 points, and he has over 500 yards passing and five touchdowns, no interceptions, right? That game is on the same exact time as Michigan-Ohio State. So you're, mm-hmm. you're not getting as many eyeballs nationally as, as you would, I guess, if, if it wasn't being played at the same exact time, right? The following two weeks, so Michigan ends their season after that game on November 22nd. Peyton still has two more games. He has one more regular season game against Vanderbilt, which is yep. a, should be an easy win. And he's got the SEC championship game where, and people forget this too, that game used to be nationally televised on ABC. So he has, he has this huge platform where everybody, and Keith Jackson's calling it, like where he has a chance to really, I guess, solidify or, or, or kind of take some of the attention back away from Woodson after his incredible game against Ohio State. Against Vandy, 12 of 27, 159 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Earlier that, that same month we talked about, like the, he had the game against South Carolina, he was 8 of 25 for 126 yards, one interception. That Vanderbilt game, I don't think it – it definitely hurt him a lot more than it could have helped him. If you have – there's no one else. Woodson's not playing that weekend. And then you have the game against Auburn where he throws two picks. He does have – I, I still say a great game. That was one of the best SEC championship games of all time. But the other part of this that kind of sucks and has to be frustrating for Tennessee fans is there were a lot of opportunities where he could have kind of taken this, this Heisman and, and just won it early on. Like if, if he beats Florida, if, if they – I don't know, if they're on TV more late in the season, I'm not sure. But they also – we don't get a chance because the BCS isn't until the following year. Nebraska should have never been in that Orange Bowl. Nebraska had an illegal game. They had an illegal kick where Scott Frost caught a game or threw a game-winning touchdown pass uh, against Mizzou at, on the road. It was like the first week of November, very late in the game. Somebody like bobbles a, ball, a, a what do you call it, a pass in the end zone, kicks it up in the air, and then they catch it. And it should not have been a touchdown. They should have never been in that game. We're also a year away from getting to see Tennessee and Michigan line up against each other in probably what would have been a national championship game, and seeing Woodson at corner versus Peyton at quarterback. So. Yeah, you can you can throw in like the the bowl game didn't really help. The bowl game did not help him. It didn't solidify what we already saw. Because if you can't, if I mean, if you have thirty nine hundred yards passing and thirty nine touchdowns, which is almost eerily similar, and like the exact same and probably better numbers than Werfel put up the year before, what else can you do? True, true. Um, the thing that I didn't know slash forgot about until researching this, Peyton had twelve rushing touchdowns in college. That slipped right past me. I, I hated the way he ran. He ran. He ran the naked bootleg effectively. Effectively. Not often, but effectively. Dude, the one, look up the one he did in 95 against Bama. Mm, they, could have had, they could have had 98 players on the field, and he still would have like, faked out every single one of them. He was so good at the play-action pass, and, but I hated how he ran his little shoulders. Just, it was like a power walker, but he was, he was actually running. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, the 12 rushing touchdowns, he had three that year. That's, that's impressive. And he caught year. a pass. Yeah, people forget that. In his final 12 years in the NFL, he had nine rushing touchdowns. So That's crazy. Yeah, 
Peyton, Peyton was scooting a little bit better um, at Tennessee than he was in the NFL. So the thing that I forgot about until we researched this was, one, the Vanderbilt game. I forgot that he had two weeks to kind of have like the, the national attention spotlight on him and didn't do as much to seize it. I forgot how good these Tennessee teams were. That 95 team, man. And, and oh my gosh, I, I did not forget how much I hated him. Um, as, a, as a player. <laughs> All those um, feelings just come right back. Well, you know, it's funny too. I don't think I ever told this story on here, but I remember when I was eight, I went to like like Dick's Sporting Goods or whatever it would have been. It sounds like a sports authority. And my mom's like, all right, you can buy one thing. And I was like, okay. And I knew I loved college football and I saw this bright orange hat and it had this like white T on like the, the bill of it. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And I know they have that quarterback, Peyton Manning, it's really good. And we had already beat them, so it wasn't like a super big threat, I didn't think, at the time. Mm -hmm. So I bought myself a Tennessee hat. And I remember the following day, it was a Tuesday, and my dad, that was my dad's like visitation day. And he came over to pick me up, and I like go to get in the car, I'm wearing the hat. And it's locked. And he wouldn't let me in the car until I took the hat off. Because it was a Tennessee hat. And I was like, oh, so we have to hate them? Okay, that's fine. I guess I, guess I get it. So I'll probably still have that, that hat for Wasted purchase for you. Yeah, very much. Did so. not get a lot of use out of that. Um, Charles Woodson almost quit the team <laughs> in '96. So this is a crazy story that he told on the Rich Eisen show a few years ago. Before the Ohio State game in 1996, he had some sort of you know back issue, um, and he uh, was told by the trainer not to practice. So he goes out there in the street clothes, and Lloyd Carr is like, "What are you doing? Go put on your your pads. It's it's Ohio State week. Like this, what are you what are you doing?" And uh, he said that he didn't, Lloyd Carr said he didn't know about that, didn't know about the stuff with the trainer. And um, so Woodson in practice is just, he's just not good. He's not, he's not really focused. He's kind of like tr milking it a little bit, taking it easy, kind of laughing on the side. He doesn't want to go full go because he's got this back issue as well. Lloyd Carr apparently calls him out and says like, hey, you're not focused, you know, repeatedly kind of like, like really like lays into him. And Woodson just leaves practice. He's like, I'm out of here. And he goes back to he goes back to the dorms, and he like calls his he like he was like talking to his friends and he like calls his mom. He's like I'm gonna quit the team, blah blah blah. And um, he was talking to teammates, and they were gonna transfer to Miami. That's what he says. They weren't even is, good in '97. Yeah, but '90. So this is '96. This is before the Ohio State game in '96. Wow. But he's like that's that's where we want to go. We had interest there. Go into the U. It'd be so much fun. Apparently, he got his mom on the phone, and then everything kind of changed after that, and he ultimately played that Ohio State game, beat number two Ohio State, and the rest is history, what happened in 97. But I guess I'll just bring up sliding doors again because that's the fun phrase that I always need to bring up for some reason or another. Um, yeah, Woodson stayed at Michigan, worked out. Yeah, it worked out really well. Um, what was the other thing that I, I, I forgot about? Uh, Randy Moss had 25 touchdowns. Twenty six, I think I think it was twenty five from what I saw on ESPN, but so I didn't, I didn't go too deep into that. But I know that that uh, what's his name Chad Pennington, who was from Knoxville by the way, mm. he had um, thirty nine touchdowns that season. So that means it's most likely over sixty percent of them were to Randy Moss. Yeah. He was he was honestly more fun to watch than any other player in the country that year because of the stuff he was at. Like I, I don't think anyone else was, was ever tuning into the Meineke Car Care Bowl or whatever he was doing inside. Uh, what is it like the 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 dome in Detroit? That's where their bowl game was played. He was a freak. Like he was so much fun to watch. Randy Moss, if you go back and watch uh, Rand University, thirty for thirty, 
Some of the things that he did in the open field did not make sense. Did Straight not make catch, sense. Somebody, and the single best catchphrase of all time. Yeah, 6'5 to do what he was doing. And, and this, this, the sunglasses thing, too. He explains that, the sunglasses at the Heisman ceremony. Said that, that he tough. was scared. Said that he was just kind of, you know, trying to hide his emotions. He was really he was really shy, really intimidated about the atmosphere, all that stuff. Believe of that what you will. but I definitely believe that because he, he's, like, from a very small podunk West Virginia town. And Unincorporated, yeah. Yeah. Is, this, is it really? Jeez. Anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. So is it time to give our take? Let's do it. Let's. All right. Are we? Is this gonna finally be the first time that we disagree? You go first. Okay. I wanted to look at this with taking away childhood biases because I have some. I'm gonna. I'm gonna come out and say it. I had a Charles Woodson Raiders jersey. When Charles Woodson came out of college, I loved that guy. I was like, he can do everything. He is so much fun to watch. My team, you know, the Bears were terrible, so I liked watching individual players. We talked about that before, you know, with you not necessarily, like you just wanted to watch the, the players and the talent, not as much like, your, you know, Bama that year. I love Charles Woodson. I am a big fan of his. I have always liked watching him play the last 20 years. Peyton might be my favorite quarterback of all time. Might be. He, he is up there. I have, I have been a, a big fan of his, whether I wasn't even a Colts fan necessarily, um, you know, for, for most of my life, you know, casually kind of root for him now. But I love Peyton. I remember playing video games when I was a kid, and Peyton was the first quarterback that I really felt like in those college, those college football video games was like an unfair advantage. Like you couldn't yeah. be Peyton because he was just too good. So I have some childhood nostalgia things, I guess, for, for both quarterbacks. But if I had to vote... I'd give it to Woodson. And don't hate me, Tennessee fans, for saying this. But you can't just totally ignore the rivalry stuff. That's part of it. That's part of it. Even if you just focus on 1997 and you don't bring up the fact that Peyton never beat Florida. You just want to focus on that 97, that 97 season where you're just talking about how they perform against rivalries. Woodson wasn't a quarterback. I get that. But how could you possibly play better with your season and everything on the line in a matchup of top four teams than what he did in that game? It was just unbelievable. And it's not just that game. And if it had just been that game where he blew up and it was a little bit of like the Troy Smith thing all over again, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? We got a little bit too excited with one, one game and we wanted to crown a guy for that. Peyton against Florida was this hurdle that just felt like for whatever reason, he, you couldn't get over and you couldn't get past, and he just did not play like the same exact player. Yes, everybody's allowed to have a bad game. I understand teams still make the playoff despite having a bad game. I understand people have still won the Heisman having had a bad game. But the team stuff, we haven't really talked about this with Michigan. That Michigan defense that year, number one in scoring, they allowed 8.9 points per game. They were number one in total defense. They allowed 206.9 yards per game. They were number one in passing defense. They allowed 4.37 yards per attempt. They allowed four passing touchdowns all year. They allowed zero fourth quarter touch, zero fourth quarter points in the first eight games. They allowed 11 points per game to top 15 teams. They faced five of them. You know how many players on that Michigan defense were drafted outside of Woodson? Two in the following two years. There was a fourth-round defensive tackle named wow. Glenn Steele taken in 1998. There was a sixth-round cornerback, Andre Weathers, taken in 1999. Woodson was the best player on the best team in the country that year and was 
dominant in ways that we haven't quite seen and the willingness to do what he did, yes, on the offensive side of the ball in special teams as well, was special. What more could you have wanted a player to do than what Charles Woodson did? And I understand, look, he wasn't necessarily as involved in every play as Peyton Manning was. But if Peyton Manning had had an unprecedented year, maybe we're talking about this differently, but he didn't. He didn't. Peyton that year, 38-19 passing yards, number four in the country. He had a quarterback rating of 147.7, number 15 in the country. Completion percentage, 60.2. That was number 21 in the country. Go ahead. Do you know who had a higher completion percentage and passer efficiency rating than him? Ryan Leaf. Mike Bobo. Hi, Bobo! <laughs> God dang it, Bobo! Eight yards per attempt, number 22 in the country. Tennessee had the number 14 scoring offense, number six passing offense. Peyton against top 25 teams, solid. 64% passer, 15 touchdowns, five interceptions, 7.9 yards per attempt. Tennessee averaged 33 points in those games. But Peyton went those two months without facing a Power 5 ranked opponent. Boom. Woodson doing what he did down, especially the second half of the year, from that Michigan State game on, was incredible against really, really good competition. I just don't understand. If you don't give Charles Woodson the Heisman that year, Let's make sure that no defensive player can ever win it. Let's just make defensive players completely taken off the ballot entirely. Mm -hmm. And I actually appreciate the fact that voters were willing to open their minds up to this happening, where they finally said, you know what? Who's the best player in college football? Who is the best overall player? Let's not give it just because there was an overwhelming preseason favorite or because this guy looks the part and he kind of checks all the boxes that we look for. Let's, let's just ask the bare basic question, who's the best player in college football? Charles Woodson, for my money, was that in 1997. Okay. Um, I've already stated how I felt at the time. I've gone over all the stuff. Now, I, now, I did just do some last-minute research here, and I, I found some interesting numbers I think are the Vandy thing. Might have been a little tough on him. Vanderbilt apparently led the SEC and was a top 10 defense nationally in total yards allowed. Put some respect uh, on Vandy's name. Let's go. Um, the, the other thing also real quick that I forgot about, this was peak uh, Mac Brown, uh, Carl Torbush at, at North Carolina, where they were the best defense in the country, or like one of the best defenses in the country um, for like two straight years. Julius Peppers, Dre Bly, you remember those teams? Oh, yeah. They were a lot of fun. Julius um, Peppers played basketball. People forget that. They don't forget Dre, that. They talk about that all the time. Dre Bly uh, bought a like $20,000 white gold necklace after he was drafted by the Rams, number 29, and they mm. uh, retired Eric Dickerson's number like a week later. So there's that. <laughs> um, anyway, so Peyton that season, we talked about how many ranked teams he, he did not play compared to Michigan. Michigan played, or Charles Woodson played one, two, three, four, five, six in the regular season and then play obviously one in the bowl game. Tennessee did not face that stiff of competition that season. They only had three games uh, until before the SEC championship game against ranked opponents, and only one of those was in the top 10. Here's the other thing, um, I guess like in his favor. They played four scoring defense ranked in the top 25. They played three passing defense ranked in the top 15, and they played three uh, total de or defenses ranked in the top 20 for total yards allowed. If you're looking at this like, well, in a lot of years, we could look at it like, well, he, he could have put up even better numbers. He could have put up, but they, you know, they were blowouts. Here's a list of things that will not make you feel sorry for Peyton Manning. Here are the pass attempts from other players on the team that season. 
So if we're going to say, sit here and say that Michigan, you know, kind of upped the uh, the attempt at trying to get Charles Woodson a Heisman. Ooh, that's interesting. Peyton Manning had 477 attempts that season. 477. Okay. The other attempts for passing attempts on the on Tennessee's football team that season, Jamal Lewis was one of one, the running back. Jermaine Copeland, their second leading receiver, two of two. Both both had a, a better completion percentage. Just throwing that out there. T. Martin, your backup quarterback that ended up winning a national title the year after, six of twelve. He threw twelve total passes that entire season. So what you're saying is that Peyton might have been left in a little bit longer, and we don't necessarily give that enough credit. Right, exactly. And okay. you can say maybe they were running the ball late. Sure, whatever. They they did everything in their power to try to get him this Heisman. The 36 touchdowns passing, 11 interceptions. The passer rating, I, I tell you what, I thought at the time Tim Rattay from Louisiana Tech was a better quarterback in college from the numbers he was putting up. Um, Manning didn't lead his own conference in completion percentage, like you said. You, you hear where his, his rankings were amongst other quarterbacks in the league. That being said, Peyton Manning was the best football player in college football. That we disagree? And deserved to win the Heisman Trophy. And I hate to say that. And wow. I, I, I understand totally how Woodson won it. And I wouldn't disagree with any voter for reasons. Like if they gave me the same reasons that we already laid out here and they agreed with my reasons is what I'm saying, then I would understand it. If it's if it's because, you know, they were watching him every week and every single week like on national television against these ranked teams and making these like, you know, difference making plays in these big games, then fine. But if you're looking at his whole season, Manning had eight games where he had three touchdowns or more throughout the uh what do you call it? Before the Heisman Trophy race or before the Heisman Trophy ceremony. He also had nine three hundred yard passing games out of twelve. I just I don't understand how I, it seemed like he didn't do enough to lose it, so I'm, I'm still surprised he didn't win. Uh, 11-year-old Chris was very happy, but 33-year-old Chris can completely understand where there would be some heartbreak or frustration from Peyton or Tennessee fans. But, like I say every week with this, if we're being objective and honest with ourselves, now you can at least see why it happened. And it wasn't just because the media did it or so-and-so. And, but we can't. If you're going to blame it on something, blame it on something logical. And I think we pointed that out today. I'm amazed. We disagree. We finally yeah, you're, disagree. You're wrong, so that's fine. <laughs> but I actually, and Tennessee fans, look, I, I get it. And I'd be, if I was in your, if I was in your shoes, I, I would be 100% frustrated. I, I really, really would because we think of Peyton Manning as an all-time great player, not only in the SEC, but in all of college football. I mean, he truly was as good of a college quarterback as we've seen. I, I, I believe that he is up there in terms of the, the career accomplishments, all of those different things. But I still would have given the edge. I still would have given the edge to Woodson. I don't have any problem if you want to sit here and say that, that Peyton Manning had your vote and I, I'm an idiot to to say that 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 somebody else should have won the award. Um, um, one thing I think we should point out real quick ooh. is the fact that, and we, and we didn't highlight this earlier, I don't know where Colorado finished up that season. They had a bad year. They had a really bad year. That's why I didn't even want to, I didn't even want to bring that up in the discussion because they started in the top 10 and then they finished with five wins with Rick Neuheisel. Right. Good old Rick Neuheisel. So and, and that team yeah, fell apart. So I didn't even want to. That's why I was like saying, trying to focus as much as possible on that stretch from Michigan State on, where they still had those five ranked opponents. Yeah. So I will say though, at the end of the season, only having I think three games against ranked opponents, the Ohio State. On the other side of that, and we probably should have highlighted this a little bit more earlier. Um, the SEC that year, it's the total opposite of of that 2000 
what was it 2007? Which is the season that they only had five? 2004. We talked about the Auburn mm. Auburn championship run, where they only had five or six teams that finished with a winning record or better. Uh, this season, Georgia actually finished with. He had four teams finish with a ten win season, and three in the top ten. One of those is Tennessee, obviously. Uh, they finished with four teams that they played that finished ranked in the top 25. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. So. Fitting, though. I think it's fitting that we were split on this just because this is this is the most hotly contested Heisman debate, I, I think, ever. I, I think ever because I think there are certain ones that you look back on and even like 2006 Troy Smith, it just feels like they messed up. It doesn't feel like yeah, there's... They, yeah, they did. A lot of people banging the drum for Troy Smith, whereas if you look back on this and you hear people like Ed Reed say, no, 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 it was absolutely Woodson's Heisman and Peyton didn't deserve to win it, Right. there there are still people that to this day will, will fight about it. And I'm sure, and hopefully, if you guys want to fight about it in the Facebook group, that might not be the worst thing to do. You got nothing else to do. It's quarantine Yeah, time. take a break from talking about Tua not being a, or being a bust in the NFL and and look at this thing. Um, hopefully, people are going to listen to this first. And then if, if we didn't convince you of anything, that's fine. At least hopefully, though, you listen to this and you listen yeah. to both sides of the argument. I have no problem if people still want to be on the Manning side of the fence. So, and this, real quick to close this, this happened 23 years ago. And I wanted to bring this up at the end because I know a lot of people that listen are a lot younger. So they don't remember this season or might not even been born before this season. I was barely so born. Congrats on not having wrinkles yet. But... Um, I looked up Peyton Manning's numbers where they ranked all time in the SEC, and there's two numbers that jumped out to me that were that were very surprising. His numbers this season, you know, I brought this up earlier with the the Danny Werfel thing. Werfel had 3,600 yards passing, 39 touchdowns, and 13 picks the year before to win the Heisman. He also had 117 less attempts. But so the two numbers that jumped out to me the most, Peyton Manning. Guess how many more career passing touchdowns Peyton Manning has than Tua? Tua, Tua started 24 games. In like a, basically a year and a half. Tua only started 24 games? Why do I think he's started more? Only than 24. Um, Peyton had. Peyton got into the 90s, didn't he? Did he get 91? 89. 89. I was close. Yeah. So two more. Dang. Two more than, than Tua, which is just crazy to me. And the other big one is for our little younger fans out there, you cool cats and kittens, Joe Burrow's season that he had, 527 attempts. He had exactly 50 more total attempts than Peyton Manning, which is kind of crazy considering he played 15 games, right? He had only 50 more attempts. He had 567, I'm sorry, wow, 5,671 yards and 60 touchdowns. So it's just kind of crazy. A lot of that's our game has evolved, but like you think about how close he was in some numbers to these two most recent guys, and I think that we're going to look back at in in a few years. And really, you know, you can you can put those two up there with some of the greatest that ever played in the SEC with a guy like Peyton Manning, which I never would have thought we'd say. The quarterback position has developed so much, too, that whenever I see these quarterback uh, Mount Rushmores for college football, yeah, I, I favor the guys who have been playing the last 20 years. And that's yeah. not just because that's how I experienced them. That's, you know, those are the guys that I remember watching the most. You, I mean, the numbers tell, tell the story for sure. I, Peyton's mechanics are still as, oh, as so good, good as you will ever see. I mean, if, if you want to burn some time on YouTube, 
go back and, and watch some of the, some of his highlights because some of the things that he does, you think of Peyton Manning a little bit more in the sense of what he became later in his career. And I'm sure Tennessee fans still remember it like it's yesterday. But some of the plays that he would make where he's he's escaping a rusher coming, you know, just right at his face, and he just does that little back step thing, and he gets a and he gets a pass off, and you're just and it's you know 40 yard touchdown. You're like, how in the world does does this guy do this? And Peyton made it look easy and he made us think about the quarterback position differently and I think that is yeah. too what frustrates Tennessee fans about the fact that they didn't get to see their guy stand on that stage and instead they saw the Heisman take a totally different left turn atypical hipster. route yeah a, a hipster decision if, if you will. I tell you what if, and if you have besides that Michigan interception the one lingering memory I will always have of uh what do you call it? Peyton Manning is, is these two things. He, when he came back, he was like the poster boy for the SEC. And there was this commercial they had. They showed it every single Saturday about like, you know, the, the act. Because he was a scholar athlete. He was a smart dude. He wasn't just a football player. And he had something. He was giving some speech. And they, they like, they keyed in on this one part. He goes, and conversely. And for like eight years, I thought conversely was conversely as, as a word. Because mm. the way he said it, I was not happy about that. The other big one is, my blasting image of him is... Every single time, it's like it seemed like he was like you just said, like getting blitz, getting like rushed, and he's about to get like about to get sacked or go down. He gets off this last second, perfect dime of a throw, and then he just puts his head down and just jogs the sideline after yet another touchdown. I was like, God dang it, Peyton, just graduate already! <laughs> God dang it, Peyton! <laughs> Hopefully, this this at least. Is going to give you some sort of ammo to use in the, in the argument if you're pro Peyton, you're anti Peyton, whatever you are. At least you got a nice split decision, and we won't universally get ripped from Tennessee fans for listening to this podcast. Thank God on Twitter, jeez. Yeah. Um, should we should we have highlighted more about about Ryan Leaf? Probably not. Okay. Probably probably not. Probably not. Right. Everybody knows the story of, of Ryan Leaf. It is it is fascinating to go look back, and this is kind of a, a dream for Fred Siegel with uh, Cold Stakes Exposed and. The way that people were discussing Peyton versus versus Leaf, that that debate was so fun to look at one versus two and all those different things. But Peyton they still neck and neck to this day, just the same trajectory, their entire career path. Same career. Knock same it off, man. Seriously, but it is it has been fun to see Peyton and Woodson kind of develop this this relationship and become so synonymous with with one another and watching them get enshrined in 2021. I am sure. Wait for that. Wait for that speech. Woodson's going to have some little jab about the Heisman or, or something like that oh, when he makes that speech. Did Woodson, sure. did Woodson ever have, like, how many picks, I wonder, did he have off of Manning in the, in the NFL? He had one, I think, in 2015. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he had one in that last year, and everybody made that joke. Oh, Charles Woodson steals something else from Peyton Jeez, Manning. Imagine oh no. that. Yeah. All right, we don't know exactly what we're going to do next week. We don't even know what we're doing for... Um, it just meant more, do we? I have an idea. Ooh. All right. We'll, we'll save it. We might be coming out with a little bit of a new schedule this week, potentially. We want to be able to maximize um, kind of when you when these podcasts are going into your feed. We don't want you to feel overwhelmed. We realize now with the current format, if you're getting three during the week, it might be a little bit much. Might be moving. It just meant more to come out on Sunday. If we do that, I promise we will have an announcement. But fear not. We're not going to have, hopefully it's not going to be the result of like, Marler's power going out or something like that. Don't even but, say that. Yeah, yeah sorry for that. trying to keep you guys entertained. We'll, we'll dial it back a notch. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, 
Yeah, all right, well, let's discuss the adjustment more off the uh, off the air, and you guys have a great day. Yeah, so Archie Manning, got anything we need to remember? Um, hail to the victor. Da, 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 da. Okay, go blue. We'll talk to you later. Fuck. Okay.